Welcome to Curious and Candid, conversations with those in pursuit of more. Today's guest is Joshua Stevens. Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Quentin. It's lovely to be here. Happy New Year, by the way. A absolutely. Uh, this is January 1st, 2024. So um, I'm, I'm uh, excited for the new year. I'm excited to uh, have this conversation with you. For all the listeners out there, Joshua and I actually connected uh, on a previous podcast that I hosted. I think it was back in 2018. Uh, we met up in uh, Boulder and had an in-person conversation. It was great. So I wanted to just have you kind of uh, get back on this podcast and uh, kind of do a round two. So um, great way to start off the year. Joshua, I want to ask you um, this first question. How do you start your day? Is there any specific routine or ritual you like to stick to on most mornings and on most days? Great, great question. Uh, I I don't know that I have a, de you know, a designed or uh, you know, repetitive routine, as it were, for my morning uh, my morning activities. I I kind of have gotten to a stage in life where I have the privilege and the and the uh, the flexibility to uh, shape each day, each morning, if you will, if if you will, uh, how I how I feel is going to best serve. Uh, what my objectives are for that particular day. Uh, I need a bit of quiet time when I get up. I need some uh, contemplation time. Uh, I need the opportunity to uh, get into a good headspace and to um, in, in, in be that uh, through the use sometimes of uh, chanting and meditation. Other times it may be music. Uh, it frequently involves coffee uh, and uh, I uh, uh, live in a, in a space that uh, has uh, one of the, the finest views in the Rocky Mountains, and I take uh, uh, I take uh, you know advantage of that. So a lot of quiet time, a lot of uh, you know maybe working through some specifics for a training event. It may be a snowboarding trip or a climbing activity. I'll kind of. Uh, do my positive mental visualization process. And when that's, uh, when that's done, uh, and, uh, it's time to feed the cats. I do that. And then from there, I, I move out and, and try to get after it. Love that. Now you referred to one of the beautiful places, the most beautiful places. Now, if I remember correctly from our last conversation several years ago, uh, you live in the Estes park, Colorado area. Is that still the case? Yes, it is. Uh, it, 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 you know, specifically a couple of years back, I had the uh, opportunity to move onto this lovely property on Storm Mountain, which is actually in Drake, Quentin. Uh, it's a mere, you know, 25 minutes north of Estes Park. But uh, yeah, I, I, I have this space of, uh, of 10 acres adjacent to the National Forest. And uh, my front door view looks out over Long's Peak and Mount Meeker, uh, and there's uh, no one that can be can be seen from the from the front of the cabin. So, yeah, that's uh, that's again, I'm very blessed, and I take advantage of that. Awesome, love it, beautiful. Okay, Joshua. Um, now the next question is, what's your favorite book or podcast? Now, I I always want to kind of preface this question. Um, please, uh, obviously for me, it would be hard to answer this question in terms of just limit, limiting it to one book or one podcast. So 
if there's several books, if there's several podcasts, um, don't, don't limit yourself. Please just share as many as you would like. Sure. That's great. Well, I mean, the, the obvious uh, lure here is for me to lean into something very sophisticated and heady and, uh, you know, just profound. And, and, you know, anyone happening to listen to this conversation would be that guy's he's, he's on top of it. Uh, so for podcasts, honestly, uh, if I'm using that medium, a lot of times I'm using it for, for entertainment to, to, uh, to detach from, uh, maybe heavier stuff, uh, into, uh, recharge through levity. I'm a big, you know, I, I like to think I have a decent sense of humor. Uh, I'd certainly appreciate others who have it. So smartless is a podcast that, uh, I listen to pretty frequently Quinn. it's uh with jason bateman will arnett and sean hayes uh three uh pretty big names in the entertainment business and uh they uh so that that's what i listen to uh you know uh living through laughter uh, i enjoy those guys uh rich roll is the gentleman i listen to quite a bit as, along with everybody else that's not uh, again profound or insightful but he certainly is and his guests certainly are and uh, so that offsets the uh, the first one where I just obviously come off like a ham and egger. Uh, for books, uh, it, it can be uh, well. Again, I think we, we've identified a trend. The book that I'm currently reading is is comedic and uh, and uh, in prose, and that's David Sedaris's Happy Go Lucky. So I'm reading that, um, and then I'll bounce around. Uh, in, in a space that uh, became more prominent in my life and my journey a few years ago. And that's, that would be the space. And I guess best categorized as spiritualism, I suppose, but um, following the teachings of uh, uh, the international society for Krishna consciousness began, uh, be, you know, became important for, uh, for my growth. And so I may be reading something from uh from that field, you know, passages from the Bhagavad Gita, um, different uh, uh, scholars and and uh, and uh, leading monks within those teachings uh, generate wonderful things to read. So uh, I'll try to probably anchor myself with uh, with more of those uh, with more of those writings from from time to time. But you generally, I always try to start with something funny, and then uh, then we can get heavy. Hmm. Um, now, I want to kind of just uh, follow up with the, the question about the book and the podcast, Joshua. Um, is reading something that's been a huge part of your life uh, kind of throughout, or does it kind of go in spurts? Like, can you just uh, maybe touch on that and expound on that question a little bit further for us? Because I know for a lot of people, they either love reading, they don't like reading. Um, but if you talk to high performers in any category or space in life, reading usually generally speaking is a huge part of high performers um you know morning routine daily routine daily practices so can you just touch on that for yourself personally over the years please sure uh sporadic to answer the question uh uh specifically and to expound on that a little bit uh certainly in, in today's you know part of the popular zeitgeist today is uh, the revisiting of stoicism. We see that quite a bit. It's, uh, it's, it's prominent across 
uh, any number of social media platforms and uh, and, and uh, other resources. Uh, anyone familiar with Ryan Holiday and Robert Greene? Uh, those those are you know some brilliant writers who have really I think uh, in a contemporaneous way successfully take you know uh, brought forward the teachings of uh, Marcus Aurelius and and, and the other uh, and the other like minded Stoics and from that uh, you know your initial question about daily routine and and regiment and and scripture. I would say that uh, when it comes to reading, and if you uh, extend that circle outward to other activities, I have at long times in my life been highly regimented. And part of that's a direct byproduct of having served in the military. Um, But I have had this cycle. uh, I have had this uh, tendency at times to have to eschew that rigidity and to move into more abstract spaces. And that uh, will involve what I eat, how I prepare it, what time I go to bed, what time I get up. Um, you know, is it, it, it the, and then uh, once it seems as though that cycle has successfully, you know, maybe moved me um, to a next level in training that I was struggling with. And I felt uh, the Sisyphusian approach of just doing the same thing every single day maybe needed a, a step back. Um, to, your, to your question about, you know, reading, uh, sometimes I'm voracious. Other times I can't be bothered to pick up a book for, you know, months. I, I don't know if that works for most people. It seems to work uh, for me. Um, I don't, uh, I don't hate reading. I, in fact, enjoy it very much. Uh, but I need to almost feel compelled, a passion to explore these new spaces through words and to be fully present. And if I don't feel that I'm doing that, I'm not going to just pour through pages, uh, uh, you know, for the sake of saying, hey, I read my 50 pages today, you know, Um not to knock anyone who does that. That's just, uh, that's not my vibe. Okay. Beautiful. Love it. Um, in the last year, uh, so for 2023, Joshua, what life lesson, uh, have you been taught or did you learn? And again, if you want to expound, uh, beyond just one life lesson, please feel free. Sure. Wow. Now that's, uh, you know, esoteric we're getting into we're getting into the the deep end of the pool here in fact i had uh um thought i would prepare for this uh over the last couple of days and uh as evidenced by uh my preamble here (laughs) i have i haven't quite necked it down i would say uh and this is going to sound ethereal and woo woo and, and what have you and uh in in some people uh, you know, don't necessarily embrace it, but uh, detachment, forgiveness, love, and presence. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in the last few years uh, doing uh, more activities in the Alpine, uh, spending more time on on bigger hills and 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 trying to develop. Um, you know, some climbing acumen. In, in in doing that, I became much more 
attached uh, to the space I was in and uh, in, in, in those amazing, beautiful spaces. I, I, I had mentioned Long's Peak, which I look at every morning. In those spaces, I began to, in the past year, um, feel comfortable letting go of a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff maybe that was, uh, you know, uh, a lot of karmic entanglement that can be traced to a number of different unhealthy spaces in my life that have occurred or presented themselves at times. And uh, this year was really good for the good feels. I just had had so many, so many of the good feels. I so much so that I regained a passion for doing activities and training that I had not wanted or had any interest in doing for the last several years. Um, and uh, I, I would attribute it to uh, just working to uh, to to love more and to understand more, uh, to be more compassionate and to be more empathetic, and. Uh, you know, I think you'll find those very principles uh, present in the teachings of the Stoics, as well as Eastern spiritualism, as well as, uh, again, whatever has been distilled down for pop culture consumption. They're all the same. And uh, yeah, so 2023 was a blessing mm. for me. Okay. Now, <clears throat> I I, I want to just pull back a, a layer here. Um, you, you mentioned letting go and that's very uh, coincidental, ironic, however you want to word it, because going into 2024, going into this new year for myself personally, Joshua, uh, my 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 mantra, my phrase is let go. So that's something for me. I'm I'm in 2023. I was beginning to uh, be awakened to and practicing, and now uh, being very intentional about letting go of of some things in my own personal life and some things that I've maybe tried to hold on to. Could you just maybe share with us uh, in terms of uh, letting go? What's what's maybe something in the past that just recently you've had to let go of that's really maybe allowed you to um, receive some of these blessings of 2023 and kind of step into, as you mentioned, all the feels uh, over this last year? Yeah, wow. Um yeah, first of all, you know, we'd, I'd love to integrate some of your thoughts and to listen to, you know, what uh, what inspired you, or perhaps perhaps what's prompted you to to want to, you know, also explore that space or that uh, um, space of letting go. Uh, and I would uh, I would guess if I had to hazard a guess, I bet a lot of the uh, the core reasons we both are pursuing that would be similar. The specifics different, but the need and the want and the desire for growth and peace are probably uh, anchored in the same spaces. For me, it was um, one to go back to, to go back to, to the aforementioned place I live and uh, made a deliberate choice a couple of years back to uh, want to be more independently um Proficient. I want to spend more time by myself. I wanted to not allow the distraction of uh, other people's energy to take away from a lot of work that I needed to do on me. And we'll always have to, frankly. I mean, it's it's a spiral progression. Um, but I needed to not uh, have the 
uh, convenience of getting into places where uh, I wasn't uh, spending that time doing that hard, deep dive, looking into me and say, what is, what is going on either in terms of intrinsic motivation or external validation? Why are you behaving the way you are? What, what cycles do you continue to find yourself in that are a result of being attached to something that you need to untangle karmically? And I've just felt, Quentin, to be honest, that in, in this is clearly evidenced in how I've been spending my time in, in recent years was I needed to step back from running. I had a very unhealthy uh, relationship that had not really occurred with, you know, a specific, the specific activity, but more about the surrounding environment, the culture around it. And I had become a version of me that, you know, to be honest, at times I found, you know, pretty unpleasant. And um, again, to go, you know, to go to the, the spending time by myself, uh, if I was constantly seeking out external validation, ex ex you know, seeking out acknowledgement through this activity, then I was continuously just uh, creating this semi-permeable membrane around my real issues. You know, they, I knew I knew they were there, but I had enough I had I had enough other things to distract me from. So I had to do that. I did. I had to get separate and step back and step back from activities and then start to learn humility uh, by getting into new spaces in the Alpine, you know, um, snowboarding, climbing, anything that I sucked at, I needed to do anything that would, that I had no discernible or appreciative, you know, <laughs> capability with or gift. It was something like, Oh, go find yourself by being, uh, bad and vulnerable and you know have I mentioned I was bad at some of these things when I started yeah I mean to go do that and be a complete nobody uh, to you know, tear down the sense of self you know the false ego start breaking that stuff away and uh, in doing that in a way that was uh, uh, it, it had to be pure it had to be genuine it had to be authentic and it had to be a process where i didn't have anyone around me telling me how great i was at this or you're really good at these things and uh yeah i mean that was a kind of a rambling uh you know point to try to make but it's such a broad question that you asked it has so much space in it it was yeah i had to uh, get centered i had to get alone uh, I had to get uh, focused and I had to get passionate about something. And hopefully, you know, I continue to see the manifestation of um, blessings and, and, and gifts that have come from that sacrifice. Because it was it's an uncomfortable space to sit, man. It's an uncomfortable space to sit. And 2024 is just going to be more of that because that's where the good stuff comes from. Beautiful. I love it. Thank, thank you, Joshua, for, uh, you know, just being candid with that and, and keeping it real because uh, there's so much power, uh, as you know, as as we have opportunities and platforms to share our story when we are more vulnerable and we do 
keep it real and keep it candid with other humans. There's so much power in in in, in our stories and in our uh, our perspective. So so thank you for that transparency. Sure. I wanna I wanna wrap up our uh, uh, conversational starter questions. I call them uh, with this final question here, and maybe this is something uh, that you've been thinking about or contemplating as we're stepping into 2024. Uh, do you have a favorite quote, mantra, or word? Yes, my favorite uh, mantra would be the Maha Mantra uh, in in Krishna. So, uh, for me, that's um, that's something that I practice. Um, I need to be better at it. But yeah, that would be that would be uh, the most important aspect of my my spiritualism and those teachings. As far as quotes, golly, there's so many good ones. You know, there's so many good ones. I mean, I, I am, I am absolutely prone to just sometimes putting up a, a a post on social media just because I I read something that moves me or I hear a song that I mean that's generally actually the the genesis. There's some type of lyric from a song uh, that somehow. Um, hits at the exact right time i read uh you know a quote from some profoundly brilliant individual and uh it would be so difficult to try to to uh you know to distill that down to a few of them i mean honestly dude what if i'm ever short of a good uh quote i'll just you know look up goodreads you know, find, put in, you know, if it, I'm no academic dog. Like it's uh, I'm good enough from, I'm good enough to read, you know, left to right, top to bottom, group words and sentences. So, but I do like to, I do like to uh, read through the experiences of, you know, enlightened individuals who have walked this earth before us, who have uh, taken the time to share um, something may perhaps simple, but something more profound in a beautiful way that stands the test, the test of time. So, um, too, too many to choose from, but, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good ones. Yes, there is. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a quote junkie, so we could probably have an hour conversation just on, uh, <laughs> awesome quotes. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Joshua, I want to, I want to really, uh, kind of, uh, spend the rest of our time today, and our conversation just uh, uh, just uh, diving deep into your backstory. Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, you know new listeners and just people that you know never heard our our previous conversation. So I really want to kind of start at the beginning of your life story, your your evolutionary story. Uh, I would love to have you kind of share with all of us where you actually grew up, and if you wouldn't mind just kind of walking us through that story of yours um initially let's just uh stop at high school because then we'll kind of transition from there but if you would sure. like to start from where you grew up what your younger years your childhood was like up through high school that would be great and then we'll like i said uh, kind of move on from that point sure uh well i grew up in new england uh, i was born a few years ago <laughs> back there and uh i grew up in a shipbuilding family uh, that had uh, uh, started in the uh, in the 30s uh, and had uh, had uh, grown into some success and my life was intrinsically 
engaged in that that was that was a fourth generation family business so that played a very prominent role in terms of uh developing uh work ethic uh attention to detail um commitment to excellence you know seeing something that uh, my family had started from nothing uh and had had developed uh through hard work um, passion and love in, into a, a very successful business, but it's a very formative space for me. And in some ways, perhaps even more than the education process, uh, what I learned uh, was how difficult a true success is to achieve. Uh, there, there are uh, different trappings that you can uh, that you can look at and say, well, monetary success, uh, achievement, you learn those things in school. And, and I believe to a degree you do. But yeah, I, I would say if you look at my childhood up until the point I graduated when I was 18 from high school, uh, probably working, you know, on the in around the shipyard uh, when I wasn't at school and being around my family in conjunction with organized sporting events, athletics, things that I did okay at those were uh, probably the foundation uh, that I built any additional or I, I, you know, any additional uh, success that I um, received and, uh, and was fortunate to have achieved later in life uh, is a direct result of what I learned from my family, um, blue collar shipbuilding and, uh, and playing organized sports. What uh what sports did you play when you were uh in your younger years, Joshua? Generally, anyone that the the coaches were you know uh, uh willing to put me on the team for you know the goodness of their heart. I wasn't uh I wasn't a uh, I wasn't a physical dynamo per se. I was pretty short for my age. I was uh one of the youngest kids in my class because I was born in November. Um, no one no one looked at me at seven or eight and said this kid a national treasure he's got he's got all the tools so i uh, i generally gravitated to sports where uh, they were it, it was a team uh, environment because i could i had a really voracious uh, work ethic and passion to be good i love what i was doing uh, it didn't necessarily translate to me being good at it but soccer was probably the sport i started playing when I was uh, the youngest that I recall, uh, but I played baseball, I played basketball, I wrestled, I played tennis. I, I did, I did an, a number of things uh, with absolutely mediocre results, but what it did was show me the areas that I was good at. And perhaps uh, as we look forward to some of the more extreme sports, I hate that term, but some of the, some of the activities that I now do, uh, came out of like, Hey, you were never going to be an NBA player. You were never going to be an NFL player, but you know, there is stuff, there is stuff out there for you to be good at. Um, so academically, uh, speaking and just kind of like your enjoyment or maybe lack thereof in terms of school, mm -hmm. what did that look like for you when you were younger and then, uh, in high school, Joshua? It, I, it, it's interesting, and I've I've heard this from others. My my uh, engagement and passion for 
higher higher education or education uh, became m- more pronounced with age. I think I probably wasn't unlike I know I wasn't unlike most of my peers and you know grammar school, middle school, high school. I didn't enjoy it. I was uh, uh, I, I was just one of the one of the you know archetype kids who had undiagnosed ADHD. You know, was uh, uh, was constantly in motion, always uh, always moving, easily distracted, uh, and 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 frequently found it hard to focus in a very traditional. The seventies and eighties still was very traditional educational practices. It was, uh, and, and I was in New England, so pretty stodgy as well. I mean, I, it turned out to have provided me some ex- excellent opportunities, but it was uh, very traditional. So I didn't enjoy it. When I got to university and later on in, in, in graduate work, I loved it. I loved it. And I was older and they were generally, they were generally uh, programs that were directly uh, connected to the profession I was in at that time being a professional army officer. So yeah, political science, international relations, uh, excuse me, international relations, uh, foreign affairs, those things I absolutely uh, gravitated toward and uh, my performance reflected that. Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm glad that I grew into that uh, rather than just avoided it because of the initial experience. Excellent. Okay, so you've mentioned... Uh the military a couple of times. And I remember from our previous conversation, we did uh, touch on that because it was obviously a big part of your life at one point. So when did uh, joining the military or signing up for the military, however you uh, prefer to word that kind of come into your consciousness? Um, do you come from a military family or, or a background of, of uh, military personnel in your, in your uh, family lineage? And then would you just maybe discuss some of those experiences within the military and what you really took away from, from those experiences, Joshua, please. Sure. Wow. (laughs) This is, you have this extraordinary manner in taking uh, very broad questions and shaping them into hopefully uh, doable scenarios to respond to my part because that that part of my life accounted for roughly 24 years uh my time in the service ranged from the time i was i mean i actually enlisted i actually signed a contract when i was 17 years old and i wasn't allowed legally you weren't allowed to uh to to actually join and show up for you know at that time basic training uh until you were 18 but from the time i was uh you know, 17 to uh, 42 and that means that's that's what I did that was the that was my identity that was my purpose that was you know at times my albatross other times um, a pure joy to to be a part of but yeah it, when I was coming out of high school and I, I kind of alluded to it with my lack of flair for academics at that point in my life, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, Quentin. I didn't have a passion at that time. I didn't have my calling. I hadn't found what I wanted to do. Uh, I could stay in the family business, and uh, that was going to be a very predictable 
uh, life. That that choice would have been very comfortable and in some ways very rewarding, but also very predictable and uh, not a decision that demonstrated uh, a perhaps a belief in my own abilities to make it in the world. You know, well, not nepotism so much as it's a safety net, and uh, I didn't I didn't love it enough to do that. Uh, now, the fun fact is when I signed up. Was it that eureka moment? Was it that, uh, uh, you know, the cataclysmic lightning uh, from above moment? Absolutely not. The greatest decision I ended up making in my life, uh, other than my children, is I followed two of my friends into a, uh, a recruiter briefing in high school. And we only did it because it got me out of uh math class and i gotta tell you if you i can't even spell trigonometry so i wasn't excelling in that class and i was like hey <laughs> dave maddie what are you guys doing They're like hey the army recruiters coming it's gonna get us out of trig and i'm like that sounds pretty good to me so i mean it could have it could have been an it could have been an, an insurance seminar when i would have probably shown up and gone down there to do it <laughs> go down you know for watch watch people play bingo so i roll in there and this guy gets up some some from some nco some non-commissioned officer who's in the recruit the local recruiter and he he pitches it and uh the my friends uh who were it, probably in very similar spaces uh with me uh they were like yeah that sounds pretty cool uh get us out of here and you know we'll do like I mean, the naivety of youth, it's so delicious and beautiful. Like literally having no idea what you're getting ready to sign a contract to do. The, 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 the ramifications of that choice. And for me to think that what ended up being a 24-year career was basically made simply because I sucked at trigonometry. I, I mean, that if you don't think funny stuff is the – man – you got to take the piss out of yourself. You can't take yourself so seriously. So that's, that's how it started. I would, you know, without going too much further into it, it was simply the greatest choice I ever made. It was the the greatest gift. It made me every bit of who I am in all the good ways. My lesser qualities probably have existed from my time as a spirit soul in this space, but the army for 24 years. And that is in the face of multiple combat deployments you know, serious injuries and surgeries and so forth. Man, what a blessing. Everything that, uh, that I thought I wanted to be able to do uh, came from that cauldron of that pressure cooker of uh, working, particularly, you know, I came in in 89, but after 9-11, those next 10 years were, were fairly intense. Uh, and, uh, but it was, it was the wildest ride you could have imagined. And I met the, single most brilliant dedicated uh brave and courageous folks in in that space so yeah i it, that that's a pretty poor answer for trying to tell you what the 24 years was uh but uh yeah it was yeah it, it did more than get me out of math class <laughs> i love it joshua okay now uh, you mentioned that, uh, so you, you, you literally, I mean, stepped into adulthood while you were in the military, 
Uh, you grew up in the military. And then you said right around the year, uh, the age of 42, uh, you got out. So you mentioned identity uh, earlier. Now, was there an identity crisis once you got out of the military? Uh, if so, would you kind of walk us through how you kind of like navigated that? If not, um, just kind of touch on what was it like when you were finally out of the military and it's like, wow, like, what am I going to do now? Did you already have some things uh, thought out and prepared or was it kind of like a, a scramble at that juncture in your life? Yeah. This is something that I have had to spend some time uh, working through in the last couple, the last few years. Uh, if there was a poison pill I took, it was monkey branching from one external identity to another because I wasn't centered. I wasn't anchored and I didn't know who I was. Um, a little bit of content context is important. So when I retired, I had been through the meat grinder. I had been through it, man. I had had, uh, I had been, uh, uh, exposed directly to four improvised explosive device. I, I'd had two cervical spinal fractures uh, and, and surgeries, the first at Walter Reed in 2008, the second at Womack Army Medical Center in 2011. I had developed a, an addiction to uh, pain medication and opiates that, that I'd been on for a six-year period as they would try to fix you up, get you back into the fight, get you back, fix you up, rinse and repeat. Um, so during that, as I approached retirement, I had not prepared at all to address the 800 pound, 800 pound elephant. That sounds like a pretty light elephant. I've never, have you ever thought about that? That was like, Hey, the runt elephant in the room. I don't know what a proper sized pachyderm is Quentin, but the huge pachyderm in the room was I had not for an, a moment, uh, considered what I was, who I was, and how I was when I took the uniform off. Because that's all I had known for my adulthood. And because of the way that I transitioned from that to ultra running, which initially was purest, it was beautiful, it was because I was told I would never be able to do it again. And I needed something to do. I needed something to move me. I needed something to hold on. I mean, in, initially that's what ultra running was, but then it also just became my surrogate identity again. And unlike the military, frankly, my, my alter ego in the running that I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that to happen to me. And I didn't like what it became and I, I it's it's something that i now know was i was just you know i was just it became my stepdad identity like i came out of one i needed another and as it turns out when you do a lot of really hard internal reflection and, you, and you, whatever your path is whatever theologically spiritually um uh, you know, uh, mechanically, uh, whatever your, whatever your approach is to making the best version of you every day. Um, it doesn't have to be attached to a single damn activity. 
that you enjoy doing and terms like, yeah, just, yeah, I, it just got to a point where it grossed me out. I grossed me out. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. And, uh, and now you just try to be, you know, what it with Jeff Bridges and, uh, in the big Lebowski and just the dude, I just want to be the dude, you know, and I surround myself with, you know, guys and gals that are they're just my peeps and just dudes that, you know, they're not, I'm a climber or I'm a snowboarder or I'm a runner or I'm a, you know, particle physicist or, you know, I'm a, I'm a whatever, you know, it's just like, I'm me in my space doing things that bring me joy and happiness, uh, things that challenge me, things that scare me, things that uh, I suck at and I want to get good at. I don't know what you call that, but you know, that's where I, that's where I am now or continue to work towards. Can you, uh, can you talk to us a little bit more um, in depth, Joshua, about your, the ultra running experience? Because uh, if my memory serves me correctly, our last conversation, which was four years ago, you were, I mean, you were sponsored. Uh, you were very deeply in that, uh, in that uh, space within your life and going through those experiences. Cause like you, I, I, I think before we turned on the, the mic here, uh, we actually met at an IV uh, IV facility there in uh, Boulder, and you were getting uh, your IV done in preparation for you know whatever was next in terms of running and training, and so you were you were in it at that point. So yeah, and again, yeah. like the military experiences, the ultra experiences was a big you know uh, factor in your life during a season. So can you just talk about what were some of those experiences? Yeah like for you, yeah. um, what you yeah. learned about yourself, maybe what you liked or didn't like. And then we're, yeah. I want to really dive into some of the, the spirituality stuff here uh, in sure. a couple minutes. Yeah. Such a good question. It's been the, uh, one of the fundamental issues. Issue, I don't know. Issue sounds pejorative. One of the fundamental experiences in, in, you know, my last six, seven years or so was, my relationship to, to ultra running and that person that you met. And I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember the odd, the odd area that we were in, but they had come over and they were running an IV. We were doing it in person. It was fun. I think, you know, I was just, it was odd. Uh, but yeah, that was the caricature that I ended up becoming in certain ways. I think I, you connected with me on a human level, like, my experiences, my story, those things are, those things are the same. They've not, they, they've remained, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whatever space they occupy in, in my past, those things are the same. But I had, in 2019 was one, what a mind bender of a year. It, it's a, uh, my greatest success is running unequivocally it was a high watermark you know of what you know whatever you know moderate attention ultra running gets and you know, it's still a, a fringe activity but i had done some things that year but the rest of my life was um let's say in a state that required um some uh, some significant work and uh answering some questions that needed to be answered and, and finding just a different way forward in terms of it's my relationship to running 
and and you know the version of me that you first interviewed. Uh, and I want I want to caveat with this. It's not necessarily bad for everyone. I mean, there are some people that can I I, I believe probably can have a very healthy. Uh, relationship with all the trappings around the sport. You talk about sponsorships or ambassadorships or, uh, you know, connections to people and so forth. I I don't think on its face, that's necessarily a bad thing. It was a bad thing for me because what it was doing was just creating this other two dimensional version of myself to replace the last one getting kind of ripped out from underneath me. And uh, what I had to do was to completely step away from running, to completely cut ties with that because it was so unhealthy for me. And I had to wait patiently to ever get back to a place where I'm like, oh, running, I kind of enjoy this again. It still is not the primary activity that I pursue, but it's, it's, made, a, it's made a comeback because now I just do it and nobody has to know about it. Just, you know, I, I thought about this on the way over uh, uh, with my relationship to running. Uh, somebody asked me this, and I, and I know it's going to be one of your, your closer questions as well, like what, what's in the future. Somebody asked me, are you ready to race again? I said, I'll be ready to race again when I'm, when I'm equally as passionate about going running hundred miles without anyone around and without a bib, you know, or in short, like the takeaway is if I'm passionate about doing it without a bib, then I'm ready to do it again in that space and to come back with a completely different approach, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Uh, I will, I will not repeat the mistakes uh, of my past with running because it took something that was so fundamentally important to me, getting me out of that hospital bed, getting me through some really dark times. Uh, the early years were the halcyon days. They were bliss. It was, it was just out there running. If uh, I have too much respect for the activity to do it, if I'm not paying that kind of honor to it, because it is not about me or what sock I'm wearing or what gel I'm eating. I mean, that's for other people, they can do that in a good way. For me, it just became, you know, became surrogate validation. And that is some unhealthy jazz. Hmm. Now, what was the, what was the, the breaking point or the awakening uh, moment for you in terms of this unhealthy relationship several years ago with, with running ultra running and, the sponsorships and the, that whole environment, where, where, where did you kind of just like say something's got to change? What was the catalyst to kind of move you in the direction of the transformation that you've been going through over the last several years? Was there a, uh, an actual uh, instance or, or moment, or was it just an accumulation Joshua of um, just some, some different experiences within the ultra community? My personal relationships, my personal relationships had become uh, 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 I I was focusing on all on all the wrong ones for the wrong reasons, right? So 
is there is there something that uh, uh hold on one second I'm gonna just turn the brightness up on my phone here Let's see here with well, hopefully I won't drop you oh you're good okay there we go all right sorry all right okay got me cool yep. um yeah my personal relationships you know, with my kids, with uh, my former colleagues in the service, uh, with the people that really mattered in my life. W- what happened with uh, embracing fully that that component of ultra running, sponsorship, acknowledgement, recognition, recognition, uh, dude, it was, you know, you chase that and then. Uh, and then you f- you start to find out that you're interacting with other people who only care about the same things. That's not my value system. That's not my ethical. That's not my, you know, my moral compass was off. My ethics were unaligned. It was, you know, I wasn't pouring my energy and I wasn't um, being present and I wasn't uh, being reliable uh, and prioritizing the people that mattered. And I had to stop and take a look around. And I was like, one is where I've gotten here by, by 2019, 2020, like, is, is this a healthy place? I was like, no, no, I was pretty miserable. I was a pretty, I was not fulfilled. I was, there's no, uh, you, there are the top iconoclasts in any type of sporting endeavor or experience adventure endeavor you talk to you listen to interviews with sean white listen to interviews with tony hawk listen to these folks they will tell you that there is no amount of success that comes that will provide you sustainable joy and happiness it's all transactional it's all immediate dopamine hits it's all um it's uh, all temporary it's all it, it, it you know that's that's what I was hoping to, I was, you know, I was hoping to find validation and success and purpose and, uh, and meaning through those business relationships or race director relationships or other athlete relationships. And it's not a condemnation of any of them or their interests or their activities or their priorities. It was just toxic for me. It's not toxic because I would like to believe that I'm a man of substance and character, uh, an imperfect ally, as someone uh, who is genuinely a compassionate human being who cares about people. And that was all being, it was being muted by my own choices. No one foisted me into that space. I, I went into it running trying to get as much of it as I could. All I can say in my case is I came out on the other side uh, and now have a much more profound understanding of the guys like Sean White and Tony Hawk and, you know, Garrett McNamara for big wave surfing. Like you're, ch- you're chasing, uh, you're chasing something that's unsustainable, you know, and uh, I disrespected running, I think. In, in in allowing that to and allowing my personality and my persona and my ego to be what I wanted people to focus on rather than I should be able to go find some crazy hundred mile course that I can make up on my own 
in Rocky Mountain National Park, not tell a damn person I'm going to go do it and go do it. And if if you do that, then, man, you got back to Narnia. You got back to the good stuff. So, yeah, I had to make I had to make some hard choices, Quinn. Uh, I had to make some hard choices, but they've served me well so far. Mm. So that kind of leads us into uh, what I am really curious and fascinated to kind of hear more about in terms of this, uh, you know, uh, progress and, and, and growth journey that you're on, Joshua. And that's kind of like what you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, again, whatever word you want to use, but we'll just use the word for the sake of simplicity, uh, you know, spiritualism or spirituality. Yeah. Can you uh, walk us through kind of the process of you leaning into and stepping into uh, spiritualism or spirituality? And, 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 and you kind of mentioned some of the practices that you are, uh, you know, uh, involved in currently. Can you just talk about what this spiritualism or spirituality means to you now? And, and, and how did you kind of move in that direction? Did somebody kind of introduce this to you? Just talk about it because this is a very popular topic in our culture, especially within the health and fitness space. But I just want to hear the personal side of it from, from your perspective, yeah. please. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Love to talk about this. Love to talk about this. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my journey to my current spiritual space uh, was formed by, like many of us, uh, in uh, in the U.S. You know, we uh, or we we were born into a culture of certain Judeo-Christian ethics. Frequently, it's uh, it's uh, then um, reinforced through um, theological construct or what we would call religion, like being Southern Baptist, being Pentecostal, being uh, LDS. I, I was a Catholic. I was a Catholic kid growing up. So that was my exposure to spiritualism. And I would share that um, while I have tremendous respect for just some of the goodness that came from that space, I, I was someone uh, who, you know, it, it didn't necessarily resonate with me and you know, i probably like many people focus too much on um, negative aspects of it without having the emotional intelligence and in gravitas and 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 uh maturity to say oh th you know there's some really good teachings in here rather focus on that so then i i essentially stepped away from that when i became an adult and moved out on onto my own and uh was uh, as I like to say, for many, many years, I was agnostic because I didn't have the courage to be atheist. So I was just hedging my bets. I was playing some God insurance there. I'm like, I'm not, I don't believe in anything specific, but I'm not rolling it out. And it was like, that's the most intellectually and emotionally lazy approach you could take. But that was like, yeah, I, I, I put I, I put my uh, I, I put my spiritual journey on layaway. And I was like, I'll come back to it down the road. And uh, many years forward, like 2018 or something, uh, I was at this I was at this event in Denver, and I met this dude uh, who kind of walked up to me and the person I was with, and he had tattoos all over his face, and he's this wild looking dude, and uh, and he said, I guess he'd recognize me from Instagram or whatever. He was also a runner. He was a cool guy. 
but he was he was uh in in this uh you know he was a devotee of krishna now this is a guy that i mean had a wild background uh but a good heart and this this little anecdote will will be reinforced with many other huge outcomes in my life that just came from random decisions to be somewhere. Anyway, this guy gives me a copy of the Bhagavad Gita uh, as, as it is. And, uh, and I took that book and it became a coffee table ornament for at least a year and a half. It's a really cool book. It, I mean, they're great art and graphics. It makes me look sophisticated. Anyone over at the house are like, oh, look at this guy. Oh, boy. I bet. It, I mean, it, like, no, it was like, it might as well have been. It might as well have been a Hummel figurine. It was just sitting there not doing anything. And then I had this time frame in in my life where I was really, I was really lost. And it was really shortly after that 2019 racing season. And I just... I didn't, I was struggling with a lot of stuff, Quentin. I was really, really, um, I was, I was in it. I was in it. I was in, um, hmm. it was pretty dark. And then one day I just picked that book up, the Bhagavad Gita. And I started reading it. And, uh, the, uh, opening sequence i mean i was hooked right there and and i began reading it because it would provide me relief from this uh, dark place that i was in sometimes only for short periods of time but every anytime i invested in it i felt better and i got to a point and this is during the pandemic and you're pretty isolated and i got to a point where i'm like i think i've I've taken this as far as I can on my own. I, I'm not um, a guru. I'm not um, a monk. I'm not a spiritual mentor. Like I, I need help. And it was like some random Monday in like November, October, like 2020, maybe something like that. And I looked online and I was like, where's the closest Krishna temple to me up in Estes Park? And there was one in Denver, thankfully. I got in my car and I drove two hours down to this temple. I didn't know anything other than like this dude Griffin had given me this book a couple years earlier, finally caught up and, uh, and I drove down and uh, I just, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no plan. I, I was just like, I, I need more of this. I need more of this. And uh, I, I walked around the temple and it was closed because of COVID and then uh, this uh, this guy, this dude, this monk, this uh, guy uh, came around the corner and just greeted me. And uh, he asked me if I was hungry. And I said, yeah, yeah, I could eat. And he went into the temple and went downstairs and he had this uh, vegan meal and brought it out. He and I just sat under a tree and I laid it on him. I'm like, hey, brother, I'm lost, man. You know, I need to get... Uh, I need to get right. And uh, that's how it started. And uh, if you'll allow me, indulge me this one day. I think it's important. <laughs> you can always edit out my, my nonsense. But uh, it does tie in why I feel so much differently about spiritualism today 
than I did when it was just something foist on me because that was supposed to be the way to teach you values and morals and so forth. Uh, so the next time I came down to that temple, uh, this young man, this monk was like, Hey, just come down and meet at 11 Kirtan. Kirtan starts at, at noon and then there's a feast and I'm like, okay, it's awesome. Cool. So the next Sunday I drove down and, uh, Again, I grew up in the Catholic Church. It's very regimented, very scriptured. You know, they tell you when to stand up, when to kneel, when to say this, when to say that. You know, it's probably one of the reasons I did well in the army is that stuff is is something I've experienced since I was a kid. This was something completely altogether different. So I get there early. I I walk into the temple, and uh, and I just walk in. This is great big open space with all just beautiful ornamentation and it's warm and uh, it's a great big open space. So they don't have pews. They don't have organized seating. It's just, uh, there are rows of one row of chairs against each wall. And uh, so like my lotus position was not strong at that point. So like, I'm going to sit in the chair, man. I've been <laughs> uh, and just see what's going on. Anyway, I'm sitting there. You know, and I feel like a fish out of water. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm one of the only white guys there. Uh, I got all these tattoos. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, I'm feeling like two sore thumbs at this point, Quentin. And uh, what happens next is just what was one simple action from a kind human can change um, the entire direction of your life. One simple gesture of compassion and kindness. Uh, I'm sitting there and directly across all the way on, on the temple on the other side is this older gentleman. Looks like he's, uh, um, you know, he's been a, one of the probably senior members of this, uh, of this uh, temple. And uh, he's just sitting across from me. And then my friend, the monk comes in. I'm like, thank gosh, I know somebody. And this old gentleman waves him over and, uh, uh, my friend, this monk walks over and leans down. You hear this, there's some exchange and, uh, the monk, my friend looks up uh, and can tell they're talking about me. Now I'm, I'm really uncomfortable. And, uh, and they, they, they stop. And, and then my friend walks across the room to me and I'm like, oh, it's good to see you. And he leans down. He says, um, you've got your shoes on my friend. And I'm like, Oh my God. God, I'm mortified. I, you know, you get the, the, that hot flash. You know, I'm talking about the you, the heat of embarrassment because I'm immediately taken back to parochial school and Catholic. Like I'm, I'm immediately transformed back there, and I'm so embarrassed and ashamed. And I'm I I, said, I just said it to him. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I know I I'll take him. I'll go out there and take him off and put him in the shoe area now. He just leaned down and put his hand on my shoulder and said, uh, look right, look right at me and said, how would you have known? And I was like, Oh my God, how would you have known? It was no judgment or condemnation or criticism. It was love, man. It was absolute love and understanding. And it became the most secure, special place that I spent 
time other than the outdoors. So thanks for indulging me a really long answer on the spiritualism piece, but you got to know that that became the first step of many in getting out of a very negative cycle that, that I had, that I had put myself in and contributed to with my own choices. Um, and, uh, it just, it, my life became more of a blank canvas, not just sporting, not just spiritualism, uh, but as a parent, as a friend and, and so forth. But I could go back to that single moment. And, and when, when that, he said, how would you know, um, I started to believe in goodness again. Excellent, man. That's uh beautiful. Uh, Joshua, thank you for sharing that. Um, how, uh, does your, um, uh, uh, spirituality, uh, spiritualism practice, how does that coincide with you? Um, you know, being in the outdoors and pursuing some of these things that, uh, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in, situations you mentioned earlier where you're you 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 don't know and you haven't done it and you're you're you have this beginner's learner's mindset so with the with the spiritualism and you know doing some of these things in the outdoors that um you're you're putting yourself again in these in these in these situations how how do those coincide how do those work together in terms of your personal growth well there there are a number of people who are far more qualified to um, to discuss, obviously, the, the benefits of uh, being outdoors and being moving in in the outdoors. And I've had uh, I've had some pretty um, pretty cool people in the past uh, who are really dialed in with that. And I would be, uh, uh, you know it's a, a tribute to that exposure that led me to start spending more time in the Alpine. You know, one of the issues about running for me versus how I balance uh, being outdoors now, how I balance um, trying to uh, get as much goodness from that exposure to nature as I can is that running became this perfunctory activity that was focused nearly in its entirety on the outcome. So I would do regularly 20 mile runs on treadmill for training. I was, you know, it did, like I was just doing that stuff so I could go do something at a race and man, what a squandered opportunity. You know, I should have been, it's not like, it's not like I wasn't doing outdoor running, but I wasn't being outdoors. I was, running and frankly the environment to me was of little to no consequence that was a shame right so when when covid came around and uh you know the universe is really rad man the universe kind of i believe in some ways when when you're trying to be connected to the right vibration when you're trying to do the work and, and you're looking for uh, opportunities to uh, to grow, uh, the universe will will have those out there. I, I do believe that. So COVID comes around, races are done. There's nobody, you're not racing, another big, so what am I going to do with my time? And I began to spend more time, uh, and I, I live uh, next to uh, one of the most pristine national parks 
uh, in, in the United States, Rocky Mountain National Park, which I believe is roughly 416 square miles. I mean, it's, it's enormous. And it's got some iconic, uh, iconic spaces within it. Long's Peak, for example. But I began to take advantage of these spaces that I had literally been sitting next to for years. When I was down in Boulder, or whether I was in Estes Park, I was just focused on running, uh, you know, checking blocks off for whatever training peak segment should have been or whatever, and not really getting outdoors. So I started doing that. And um, a happy byproduct of that process, Quentin, was uh, I started hanging out with people who were really good at other shit. Pardon my language. That they were really good. They were really good skier, backcountry skiers or snowboarders or climbers. or They were way better at it than I was. Uh, but for whatever wonderful reason, um, either my enthusiasm, my willingness to learn, my uh, capacity to stay focused and get passionate, they would take me under their wing. I would go do these things. I would spend, you know, instead of, uh, you know, an hour and a half on the treadmill, checking that off and then going and doing some other dumb stuff, I would spend eight days or excuse me, eight days, I wish, uh, eight, eight hours to 12 hours out in, in one experience, uh, in one Alpine experience. And that, again, it, it, you could, if you're a cynic, if you're jaded, then you say, well, that's just uh, happenstance. And, and the fact that your spiritual um, growth and education was happening simultaneously is just is chaos theory. It doesn't matter. I don't believe that at all. I believe that my um, exploration into um, the science of self-realization uh, coincided um, intentionally with me learning to love outdoors again. Me being like a kid in Maine, running around in the woods all day long, playing with sticks, jumping on rocks, flopping around in water, making friends laugh. I literally do the same stuff I do. Uh, the stuff I do today in the backcountry uh, is the same stuff I did when I was a kid. I'm just... Uh, slower and you know and uh you know not, not as not as quick to recover as i was before but i i would i, I would kind of tie this that thread quentin off with it made me it made me not made me that's not a forceful term it led me to a space where i was ready to re-explore running because it was just simple again and and to layer that back into my climbing and snowboarding and other stuff i was like wow you know i used to really love going and just doing you know 15 miles out in the trail in Asheville, north carolina where i started no one knew no one cared and, and that was great but yeah it's the out the outdoors for sure and again i'm the least qualified cat to to speak on that but uh um there is a heap a heap of uh, information out there uh, that uh, that uh, alludes to just how healthy it is for all of us. Excellent. Okay, we're going to start uh, 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 working our way to the finish line, but I do want to touch on a few more things here, Joshua, if you don't mind. Um, I think your last post on Instagram I saw has something to do with uh, connecting with uh, a couple gentlemen, gentlemen in terms of 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 music. Uh, you yeah. 
mentioned earlier how you know you'll listen to you're listening to music and certain lyrics will kind of speak to you. Uh, talk to me about your exploration in music. What what does that look like in the past? What does it look like currently? Where do you kind of want to go with that in the future? Yeah. Um, well, music goes back. I think I was in fifth grade when my mom bought me uh, uh, a drum, snare drum, Ludwig snare drum uh, for school band. And uh, and then I, uh, you know, so I started playing that and and school bands, man. They're not as cool as it sounds, right? <laughs> when you look at like school band, you know, sitting around. Yeah, I quickly learned that playing a complete drum set was more appealing to girls than just being like the the dude in the marching band. So, so by the time I had a chance, I think like in middle school or high school, and they're like, you know, the uh, this, the band in music class, you could be in a in a drum set. I was like, yeah, this is way cooler than me just rocking paradiddles. Uh, and flams on my on my Ludwig, <laughs> so I uh, I started playing drums, and then that you know it was always a hobby. My music is so important to me. Music is, and probably in a way that's sometimes unhealthy because often I feel more comfortable uh, conveying complex thoughts and emotions and experiences through uh, by with and through lyrical content or melodic composition or some certain chord progression that I'm like, Oh, I should be, I, I need to keep working. I need to be able to tell people what I, I need to be able to directly communicate rather than like, Hey, listen to this song and maybe <laughs> you'll know how I'm feeling. So, but it does, it carries such a, a important part in my heart. Like music allows me to be open. Music allows me to be vulnerable. Music allows me the opportunity to be my creative self. And uh, so it's been with me for you know, 45, like a bunch of years. And uh, I've been in a few bands and uh, back about 10 years ago, I was in one that had done pretty well. And I was surrounded by these amazing musicians. Um, and uh, you know, everything as is the great George Harrison uh, said in his, in his first, uh, post Beatles album, uh, his, his solo work, all things must pass. And, uh, and George Harrison was, uh, a Krishna devotee as well. So now you go back and I'm like, Oh, it was present in your writing, your spiritualism and, and so forth, but all things must pass and, and life moved on. And I, and I hadn't recorded an album with these guys in, in 10 years. And, you know, the universe thought maybe it's time or we did, collectively uh or individually and, and however it came to be uh yeah I'll, I'll be flying back east uh, next month to uh, write and record some some new stuff and it's not again i i have always have had a healthy relationship with music in terms of it was never my identity so it's kind of been protected it has this it has this very uh little sacred space for me and i can't tell you uh how happy it makes me to think that in you know three weeks or so i'll be in a studio with these beautiful tender artistic types trying to come up with something that uh you know basically serves as our communicate yeah our, our style of communication for for other folks but yeah yeah man it just dude it makes me happy a few things make me happier yeah cool um 
What's uh what's an area in your life that you uh want to continue to work on or you know that you need to work on? Is there still something that's kind of like, man, like I need to uh work on this area, I need to progress in this area. Is there anything when I ask that question, Joshua, that kind of comes to mind? Where do we start? We might need to have a second uh, a second episode. Uh yeah, everything. Everything, man. Everything. It's uh it, you know, if if you're not progressing, if you're not expanding, how is the is is the universe this uh, this is going to show you uh, how clueless I am about uh about science as well. Um I, I think the universe is infinitely expanding, I believe is how uh how Neil deGrasse Tyson would say it. Infinitely expanding. Um I'm my spirit soul is just this, this body that I'm in right now. I'm just, this is just part of the journey. And this just vessel right here is giving me the opportunity to um, grow in many areas. So it's, I guess it, it suits today. Well, we're, we're a calendar year. Uh, the first day of the year, 2024 is going to have um, most of us will have some type of goal or objective. And it, for me in growth, it first starts with my spirituality uh, and my humanity and uh, focusing on maintaining my priorities uh, and taking things like family, which it's sometimes taken a back, not sometimes, frequently in my adult life, taking a back seat unfairly to whatever endeavor that I was, I was focused on. So that's been something that's been, that's been corrected uh, you know, over the past few years, but that's, I, there's no finish line, right? Dog. I mean, like 2024 is, I, can I ever be a good enough dad? No, heck no, man. I can't ever be a good enough dad, but I can be a better dad. So, you know, start there. Then my personal and fam other familial relationships. So goal one for growth, be the very best me that uh, I can be uh, in order to be an enriching uh, and uh, positive experience for everyone who has shown, in many cases, uh, unwarranted love and kindness to me and prioritizing those people. Uh, the second area of growth is, uh, you know, if we would put to the category of um, athletics or endeavors is uh, to be uh, better by putting in the time, work, and commitment and resources in all the areas that I find passion in now. It's not simply just running anymore. It's uh, I am a uh, I am a terrible snowboarder, uh, striving to become slightly less terrible every time I go out, and I get to go out a lot. So that's been awesome, and I want to get much better at that this year. Climbing the same thing. So. Uh, yeah, like just, uh, to, to make, uh, uh, incremental progress in all those areas. And here's the kicker. The, the key is I now see metrics much differently, Quentin. When I say better, how do you define that? So much more subjective. Historically, I would have pointed to if it was climbing, well, this is what this route is rated at. And, uh, if I'm at a five, nine, I want to be at a five eleven. and, you know, topical garbage running the same thing. Oh, I ran, uh, my fastest hundred mile time was this. So, uh, clearly getting better means fat. No, I don't see things that way anymore. 
if I'm smiling and I'm crushing and I'm getting after it and I get a flow state and I, and I, and I almost am able to step outside my body and be like, this is the good stuff, boss. This is, this is where it's at. This is where I'm getting my joy and my passion. And I can go back to growth objective number one and pass that love and shine on to the people I care about, the people who truly care about me. If you can do those two things, uh, with the, uh, with the dessert or the, the, uh, uh, the opera, uh, goal of learning to truly love yourself at the end those three things. If I can, if I can make some growth in those spaces this year, then, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm paying my rent for the privilege of, uh, occupying space here on the planet right now. Excellent. I, I think that's, uh, I, I think that's a great, uh, spot, uh, Joshua to wrap things up. Um, before, um, I do a quick outro here and I, I, uh, get you out of here for the day. I, I do want to kind of give you an opportunity. Uh, obviously we've had a very thorough conversation today. We've touched on a lot of topics within your story and your life, but if you want to leave us with anything, if, if there's anything that, man, it's like, I, I just kind of want to put that out there before we're done today. I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to kind of give you the opportunity to say whatever you'd like to say in closing and wrapping up. If somebody's resonated with your story and they want to reach out to you and connect with you, I would love to have you kind of just give us uh, that place or those places that we can reach out and connect with you um, if that's cool with you. Yeah. So I'm going to turn it over yeah. to you, Joshua, and then I'll do a quick outro and then we'll wrap up our conversation. So platform is yours. Uh, thanks, Quentin. First, uh, first and foremost, thank you for uh, uh, thinking of me and, and uh, evaluating our previous conversation uh, in a manner that uh, would uh, inspire you or, or, you know, cajole you into reaching out to me again for a follow-up a number of years later. Um, I'm deeply touched. I haven't done a podcast in, in quite some time. And, uh, uh, I, you know, it was uh, not anything I agreed to uh, without reflecting on, you know, first, first, I wanted to believe that I would have something of value to provide. So uh, thank you for giving me that opportunity and thank you for uh, uh, being, being such a good dude. You know, I think what I would like to share, you know, in closing is uh, how important um, your activities are uh yeah, it's, I'm stumbling through that a little bit. Let me start that idea again. Uh, my endeavors in the outdoor environment, uh, I would like to think in the preceding four years or so since we spoke last, uh, have grown into more healthy uh, shapes within my experience and in my life. You know, there's they're not... To the identity question we we discussed earlier with the military and then running, um, those type of traps within false ego don't exist for me anymore. And I would like to think that I have spent the previous years doing work uh, in, in a way that allows me to now experience those with just kind of this joyful, to be in a joyful bliss state and have the uh, experience uh, of doing something for the right reasons for not only myself, but for the people I love around me. I am a strong believer 
and taking whatever God-given talent uh, you you have or whatever your passion is and developing in a way that you have a lifelong healthy relationship with it and that it is um, predominantly being driven by uh, internal motivation rather than external validation. Um, I am hopeful and I am... Um, uh, I'm a serial optimist, anyone who knows me, so this shouldn't come as a surprise. But uh, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunities I'm going to have this year to um, move uh, through the backcountry and through uh, resorts uh, on snowboards, uh, you know, uh, on my feet uh, or on rocks with, with ropes and rock pro, whatever it is that every time I get out there, I am present and happy and stoked and uh, in, in a mindset where the only thing I care about is getting better at what I'm doing and being better to the people that are around me while I'm doing it. Uh, and who knows, we may, we may circle back next year or a little while. Maybe I will have raced, you know, I'm not, I have not ruled it out. There are things I'm, I'm looking at, but uh Ultimately, the only important takeaway is I'm not doing any of those things to impress anybody else anymore. I don't care. I don't care. I, it is so liberating to only be doing something because you love it. And if 2024 uh, plays out the way that uh, would be, you know, ideal, then, yeah, I'll get a little bit better at those things this year. Perfect way to end it, Joshua. Thank you so much, my friend, for coming back on and sharing your story, okay? Thanks, Quentin. All right. All of you who are tuning in to another episode of Curious and Candid, I just want to say thank you so very much. I appreciate all of you. I value all of you, and I would love to connect with you guys if you would like to connect with me. There's a couple places that we can connect. First of all, Instagram, Curious and Candid Podcast. The second place that we can connect is through email. That's curiousandcanpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you guys would do me a huge favor uh, before uh, we uh, wrap up this conversation with Joshua, please subscribe to Curious and Candid on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Again, I would greatly appreciate that. And then if you guys are interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, you can check out my website, which is Awaken training and nutrition. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Curious and Candid. We'll catch you all next time.